Welcome to our podcast. Talk to me, sister. I'm Kathy. And I am Sarah. And we are twin sisters documenting our surrogacy journey, discussing women's health, motherhood, and all the details that led us here. Our mission is to not only educate and inform, but to spread joy and hope through our story. Thanks for following along. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. So, guys, we are doing a two-part series discussing in detail our IVF experience. But before we dive into this, Kathy and I want to give you an update so far. We just announced on Instagram and to all of our friends about our surrogacy journey and that Kathy is my surrogate and that we're having a baby boy in August. And I am just literally cried the other night, just reading everybody's comments, Kathy, on your post and my posts and just over, we feel like over flooded with love. It's been really sweet. It's really overwhelming for sure. I don't know sometimes how to say like, thank you. Cause I'm like, thank you. I'm so excited for Sarah, but also, you know, people are also like, Kathy, this is amazing. And it is. And also I'm like, well, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I know so much. it's hard to, in a way, get praise. I don't know if that sounds like an annoying thing for me to say, but I'm like, no, I, not at all. I, of course, like I wasn't like, of course it's, there's nothing else in the whole world that I would have done. So, um, and it's, but it's so sweet to have people's encouragement. Um, you never really know what people are going to say. I know. And you, and honestly, I think that people are just oh, so overwhelmed that you would do this for me. I think that's why they're like, Kathy, this is amazing. But yes. it's, I feel like it's okay for you to feel like, uh, how do I react to this? Because it's not like they're saying, congratulations on your baby. They're saying, this is so amazing. You're doing this for somebody. And yes. so we, we've both never done this before. So, you know, we're, you know, people are like, congratulations. And also like that Kathy's like, this is incredible. And so I think that we're both kind of, we've never done this before. So yeah, um, we're just, for sure. we're trying to receive, uh, receive the love. Yeah, it really does help. I did. I was at the gym the other day when you posted and I just, I had to move from the treadmill to like the bike so that I could like read and, and I was so teary and just was inc- really sweet to have people's encouragement, but yeah. we haven't done a great job as we've recorded. Cause we've had so much we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. We haven't done a great job at keeping, keeping people updated on where we are in our pregnancy and how you're doing, how I'm doing. Um, so I thought we would do that real quick before we got started in our IVF episode. Let's do it. So, um, okay, I'm trying to look at the calendar. Our, I'm going to say we. That's hilarious. Are yeah, we, we 14 weeks. <laughs> no, we're 16. We're 16. What? Are you yes. serious? Yeah. Time is flying. See, this is this is crazy because people listening as the intended, as I'm the intended parent, it's my bi- biological baby, but I'm not feeling the growth or like seeing it every day. So I'm like literally losing track because life is busy and you and Kathy, you and I talk every day, but how, how is it 16 weeks already? That's wild. Well, if it makes you feel better, I have also lost track. Okay. That's <laughs> actually, that does make me feel better. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible mother. No, um, you're not. You're not. And I do like, we see each other pretty often, not every day, but we talk every day. We see each other often. So yeah, it would probably be harder for other surrogates and intended parents who don't see or live in the same city. Cause a lot of people live in different States or even different countries yes. who do this. And, um, so yeah, no, I've also lost track. I, 
I told my neighbor last week that I was 14 weeks and she was like, well, you have a pretty good bump for 14 weeks. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know. I know you were over last week. And actually Richard said this the other night. He was like, you know, it didn't really feel real until I saw Kathy's bump when she was standing in our kitchen last week. She was like, I'm cute. Yeah, I know. It was really cute. He was like, I mean, you could really see him. You could really. And I'm like, yeah, he's in there. He's really in there. And he's, yeah, he feels, he feels like he's growing so good. But yeah, then I thought it is big for 14 weeks. And I was like, oh, I think I'm closer to 16. And I was like, no, on Saturday, I'll be 17. So then I felt better (laughs) about my bump. I was like, okay. Okay. But it is your third pregnancy and don't you show quicker? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. I was thinking when you just said the, the, the people using surrogates out of town because before we decided to use you, we like random. I talked to a few surrogacy agency just, just for the heck of it, and they um, were out of North Carolina. So mm-hmm. I'm like, if I had a surrogate in North Carolina, I'd be like, you know, you're not going to see them at every week or even every month. I'd be like, can you send me a picture every day of your belly? Like, how, yeah, I'm sure there's to. this thing where you feel like, how am I contributing? I feel disconnected. You know what I'm saying? So. For sure. Um, I feel really lucky that I can just say, Kathy, come over so I can, you know, kiss your bump. <laughs> For sure. I know. I'm, I'm glad. I'm so glad about that. So ha- um, I, I at this point, am feeling well. We're, we'll be 17 weeks this weekend. I'm feeling like I'm on that second trimester, like energy bump. I'm still taking my nausea meds at night. But overall, I'm feeling really good. That's so good. I'm so glad you're over that hump. Me too. Me too. Um, okay. So Kathy and I, so we both experienced med cycles and each of us had a critical role in IVF. So um, we want to dive deep into the details. It's going to be a two-part episode. Um, like we went to mention before, a recap, this is my baby boy, my biological son. It was just transferred into Kathy's uterus. Um, If you missed the episode on egg retrieval and embryo creation, go back and listen to that. That's a key part of the first part of IVF. We talk a lot about prerequisites, um, prepping my body, fertility, nutrition, a lot of good food for thought in those episodes. Today, we will discuss further our experience and our personal research with IVF. We were really, we were both really new to it on both of our parts. We will also answer questions we both had as we started IVF, being new to the whole process, questions specifically surrounding a natural cycle, which Kathy will talk a little bit more about. Um, It's the method we used. This means we followed Kathy's normal ovulation. So we used stimulators and oral meds to support the natural cycle, but we didn't go the general IVF protocol route where you have like 20 weeks of shots and all that. So we'll get into that. Um, So let's start off with a basic question. What is IVF? It's a good question. I didn't really know. We had a friend recently as the two of us together. um, We actually, we were, it's when we were doing the photos of our baby announcement, we had our really good friend say, okay, this is a wild, crazy story. This is awesome. But so like, how did this happen? <laughs> and you could see all over her face. She didn't even, I said, oh, well, we did IVF and then we did transfer. And she was like, oh my goodness, I don't even know what that is or how you do it. Or, you know, when there's a surrogate involved, how does that work? So it's a little mind boggling. 
Um, science and medicine is so incredible. But um, yeah, so what is IVF? Yes, I'm going to answer it for us. Yes. But yeah, and I do want to mention too, as we get started with this episode, this episode is more on the specifics of what kind of cycle we use. Our next episode is going to be our specific journey. So Mm -hmm. a little more personal. This is more of the details and kind of the science behind what we did. So IVF is in vitro fertilization. It's a complex series of procedures that helps with fertility, obviously, but it also can help prevent genetic problems. So people who are screening for certain genetic conditions may want to use it. And of course, it assists in the conception of a child. So during IVF, mature eggs are collected, which we talked about Sarah's egg retrieval journey in that previous episode. And they are fertilized by sperm in the lab. The fertilized egg becomes an embryo and is transferred into a uterus. Now, generally, if a if an intended parent, like a mother who is carrying their own child, is doing IVF, that could happen simultaneously if you wanted it to. So it could happen within like a three-week process where you take the you have egg retrieval, you fertilize in a lab, mm-hmm. you wait, you do some genetic testing, and then when mom's body is ready, it's transferred in. Or you can do it like we did, which is you separate the process in different stages. So we did it where Sarah did egg retrieval and got embryos even before they screened me as a surrogate because we didn't know if Sarah was going to get embryos. Yay. And we did. She did. We did. I know. I I honestly had to compartmentalize it. I didn't know what we were going to do. I was like, first things first, got to get an embryo. (laughs) <laughs> well, they were smart. The fertility clinic we used guided us a lot. And they mm-hmm. said, we don't want you, we don't want you to spend the money on screening a surrogate and getting her prepped and prepared for that continuous cycle if you won't get an embryo. And they're not saying that like to be Debbie Downers. They're just being smart at the procedure. That's good advice. Yes. So it can happen quickly if you're, if you want it to. Um, for us, it took about 10 months. So Sarah started, this is one of the questions we have, and I kind of went forward a little bit, but one of the questions we had was how long does IVF take? So it depends again on, on your journey, but for us, it took about 10 months. So Sarah started her egg retrieval. Was it June? It was June. Yeah. Well, actually I had my first appointment with Nashville fertility in February. That's how long it took us to pull the trigger. I had, we had our consultation. But yes, I did. I started the cycle and did the retrieval or, or egg retrieval and everything. That was June. That was June 2020. So I will say between February and June 2020, you guys know what happened. <laughs> it was COVID. It I was, was going to say now that I, yeah, yeah, I have like, it's like trauma that I've blocked out. No, I'm kidding. I, you're right. It, that did delay us. You don't have to be kidding about that. You know, I'm not kidding. Like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yes. We, I probably would have done it sooner um, and pulled the trigger quicker, but yes, COVID. COVID happened. And honestly, we were at a good place. I remember we were even on a walk. You had come over and we were walking and they called. This was like when all of us were out of quarantine, just like wearing masks, but we were on a walk and they were like, Hey, we're on, still only seeing, you know, a few people at a time we'll call you next month. And mm-hmm. we were like, no problem. That's fine. But I really felt heavy hearted for those moms who are so ready to go and have those embryos ready. Mm-hmm. Cause it's so hard to wait. And we were, 
we were, you were in a process that it was, we felt okay. We felt, we felt okay about the waiting, right. but a lot of people weren't during that season. So, so hard. So it took us about uh, 10 months from the time of embryo, uh, sorry, the time of egg retrieval to our transfer date. So it was about June to December. So we've encouraged people before we said, this isn't, this is an okay process. If you're prepared for the hurry, 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 wait, 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 hurry, 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 wait, 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 of, of the IVF process. Right. And I think expectations are key, right? I think that it, it, it can feel really discouraging, but knowing ahead of time that it's a process and it's a, like you said, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. But right. so the you great thing there. about IV, yeah, you get there. And the great thing about it is that it is the most effective form of assisted reproductive technology. So when you're, and parents like you can have their own biological kids, which is just so fantastic. You can use, you know, your eggs, Richard's sperm, and you can have a baby or you can use an anonymous donor. Sometimes people need egg donors or you can even adopt embryos. We've talked about that Mm -hmm. snowflake adoption process. Mm -hmm. So during the process, you can implant or transfer more than one embryo it can often result in multiples or twins because it's so successful. Mm-hmm. It's it's often that if you put two embryos in, you get you get twins. <laughs> so our clinic does not do that because it is high risk to have multiples. And plus, you guys chose not to have twins, right? <laughs> you know, I would have blessed and received twins but yes we were not that was not our end goal and our fertility clinic was like you know that's a high-risk pregnancy and so we are not we don't you know we don't try for high-risk pregnancies right and it could one embryo can split but the chances are very low it's like a one percent chance right that it can split so so it would have been crazy but yes Right. Hey guys, we are excited to share with you our new partnership with Your Superfoods. Not only do they have great tasting product, but they are on a mission to help improve people's health through the power of plants. I fell in love with their superfood and plant protein mixes after I was diagnosed and started my lifestyle change. One of the founders is also a cancer survivor, which is why I came across their story. I make a ton of smoothies and my daughter Charlotte loves them too. Your Superfoods is 100% plant-based, no sweeteners, no soy, no dairy, gluten-free, and non-GMO. So you can purchase with our code SISTER15 and you will receive 15% off your purchase, any purchase, not just your first one. So go to YourSuper.com and use the code SISTER15, S-I-S-T-E-R-1-5, for 15% off your order. Go grab your superfoods. So, Kathy, once we had embryos and it was your turn to start your IVF journey, as a part of our process, we discussed a lot about all the meds. You and I had some co- side conversations. I mean, you had you kind of knew what I was doing for my med cycle for egg retrieval. But as we know, like your part of the IVF process was going to be a lot more involved as far as shots and 
everything after the fact. So explain your thought process um, to the nurses and what we decided on together. Honestly, I didn't know you could really do a natural cycle with IVF. And that was really, that was new to me. And that was exciting for me because I was excited for you. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So I, I've always been really sensitive to hormones. I have very rarely taken a birth control pill, even like a non-hormonal option of birth control, because it just makes me like an angry person. <laughs> it does that to some people. I don't, That's okay. It does. You adjust. I'm like a really happy, chill person and the hormones don't go well with my body. I could never do <laughs> so, the pill. I, could, I was same. Yeah. And, and so I just felt like I will do anything it takes to to get this baby here. And I know that IVF is involved and you have to take a lot of hormones. So one thing I did was I did join like a Facebook group. It was like Tennessee intended parents and surrogates. So I joined that group. I, I never, especially on Facebook, like I don't have it on my phone. So I just get on if I'm on my computer. So I didn't check it often, but I did see that people were talking about natural cycles every once in a while, not often. So I, I looked at the conversation and kind of got comfortable with it. But again, I, I know that I take things people say on these Facebook groups very lightly. I actually don't follow. I stopped. I actually unfollowed that group for a while because it was giving me anxiety of like Mm -hmm. all the people getting pregnant and all the things. And I was like, I, you know, all the things that you can do and all the things you shouldn't do. And I was like, you know what? I know my body. I know what I need to be doing. What I need to be doing is not reading online that much. And so I'm going to unfollow, but I, did learn that from that group and nice to have since joined back in and check them out every once in a while. So, um, I do think it's good sometimes to have community, especially if you do feel lonely Mm -hmm. in the process. Absolutely. So I had seen that. And so on our very first doctor visit at the fertility clinic, it was actually, I think it was technically my screening where me and you were there for like four hours and they did my blood work and an ultrasound and a pelvic exam. And all of this screenings that took place to say that I was a good candidate to be your surrogate. We were just really crossing our fingers. <laughs> and so I, we met with our fertility doctor that day. And I said, I said this, I said, I think I know your answer, but I would love to know that if all my tests come back today, good, like if my hormones look good, my thyroid looks good. My physical exam looks Okay. Is there a reason I need to take all of the extra hormones? And I thought she was going to say, well, this is an ex- expensive procedure, an expensive experiment, which you have said before, and which I had read on this group, that a lot of intended parents, so a lot of people in your shoes, Sarah, want to just do what works. Mm-hmm. And what works is often that general IVF protocol. And so I was expecting her to say that, but she didn't blink an eye. She (laughs) explained the process and the pros and cons of it, but she never, she said, we have a protocol called the letrozole protocol. It's a more natural cycle. You still take oral meds. You still have to come in for monitoring, but we, instead of programming your cycle, so programming your body to ovulate and programming it to be ready for embryo, we will follow your natural ovulation cycle and your natural kind of period cycle and, and transfer when your body is naturally doing it. 
And I'll explain the details for people who want to know. But she actually said, she, she said, does that sound good? And we said, okay. And we never looked back. And also I want to shout out to you too, the whole time, even with your experience with meds, you always said, I want to do the lowest, the lowest, the lowest. Yes. And it has worked for both of us. It has. And I think I went into it day one saying, I'm going to trust this process. I am going to trust that our bodies will do what they're meant to do. And, and that is so hard. And and honestly, I did have doubts. I'm human. But I loved that the doctor, the nurse and the doctor said – or when she said that this was an option, I love that she made – you know, me as an intended parent, but also you, but me as an intended parent, she made me feel like she was confident in this. It wasn't like she was like, well, you know, we do have this option, but it's not very effective. Like, it helped that she explained it thoroughly she said they've had success in the past. You know what I'm saying? Like she made me feel confident. Um, yes, and- I agree. She said, especially for you, you haven't had any fertility issues in the past. And Sarah has good embryos. And you are a great candidate for this. Like she was really encouraging. We never looked back. Yes. I'm so glad so, we did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So people who are going through IVF and interested in the letrozole protocol, I'm going to explain it just a little bit. And it's called the letrozole protocol. Letrozole is also Fremara. So for those who are familiar with taking Fremara, it's a stimulator of the ovaries. And it was formed by Dr. Lisa Hansard. So thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, I took okay. So I took Fomara too. So people that have are doing the first part of IVF too. That was a drug that I took to do egg retrieval. It yeah, made my often, skin fabulous too. That was just a side note. Often people too who are trying IUI mm-hmm. will also take Fomara letrozole. So anyway, what you do on this cycle is again you're following your natural cycle. So you you wait until your period starts naturally. And then, so when your period starts, that's day one of your cycle. So when you go get to day three of your cycle, you're brought into the doctor's office and you have an ultrasound and they're checking for cyst. They're making sure you have no cyst on your ovaries because letrozole is a stimulator of your ovary and it, it is uh, more likely to produce cyst on your ovaries. So they want to make sure you're not already having those or already at high risk. So if you have no cyst on your ovaries, you can start taking letrozole from day three to day seven of your cycle. So you take it for four days. I took two tablets per day, but your doctor tells you exactly what to take. And then you go back in day 10 or 11 of your cycle. And they check again on your ultrasound. They'll check your endometrial lining. So they'll see how how thick your endometrial lining is. They'll look at your ovaries and see if their follicles are maturing. So you have taken the letrozole for four days of your cycle. They're looking at day 10 or 11 to see if your body is close to ovulation. If your body is close to ovulation on that day, they'll plan the trigger shot. So if you, you know if you're close to ovulation, if your endometrial lining is greater than seven millimeters and your follicles are greater than 18 millimeters. So they'll look specifically like measure you and see, are you close to ovulation If these all look good, they will plan your trigger shot. Oh, I forgot one thing. They also take your blood. They look at your LH, which is your luteinizing hormone. And that usually surges. Like you get a spike in it 
when you are ovulating. It's actually the hormone that ovulation sticks will test for. You, you know, pee on the ovulation sticks. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so they'll check your LH. They'll check your hormones. If it looks like you're close to ovulating, they will plan your trigger shot. You take your trigger shot. And then you plan your transfer for seven days later. So if you had a trigger shot, the trigger shot will pretty much force your body to ovulate. So if you're taking your trigger shot on day, you know, 10, 11, 12, then your transfer would be, you know, day 17 of your cycle. Yes. And we, you and I knew that your body ovulates early. And I feel like at this point we were bugging the heck out of all the nurses because at this point before the trigger shot I mean we were, you were going every day right to get checked we were kind of so, like teetering on the edge what I, I felt know, like I think we weren't going until until the transfer so this is kind of a spoiler of what happened but once I got on the letrozole my body ovulated like a freight train yes <laughs> like so I started the letrozole day three and day seven. So I did that first part. Everything looked good. I had no cysts. I started the letrozole. I went in day 10 to check my endometrial lining, to check my blood work. And I had already had an LH surge. So I had already started that ovulation process. And it was a big LH surge. Like it was too fast and too furious. My my endometrial lining was like nine yeah, I was going to say like, the letrozole, the Famara protocol for you was like, your ovaries were like, Hey, it oh was my like- gosh. Yes, actually they were, I went in to get my, to get checked my, and they checked my follicles after I had been on all the first time. And they were like, wow, if you were trying to get pregnant on your own, you would have, you would probably have quadruplets. <laughs> like both sides of my ovaries <laughs> were like SOS. Really? Yeah. They were like red. Okay. So we don't want to spoil part two of, of this um, episode where we talk about the personal, our personal journey and like, we don't want to spoil it, but going back to the letrozole protocol, I want to ask you if you felt like, I mean, obviously we knew that it like crazily like stimulated your ovaries, but did you feel like you had any major side effects? I know you said you were on a support Facebook group where people were telling their experiences and the natural cycle versus like, you know, the 20 weeks of shots or whatever, but did your side effects, I mean, were they minimal compared to those other people? Yes, I think so. And I will say like, this is the cycle we use. So if we don't, we're not spoiling anything to let you know it works. Yeah, it works. <laughs> it works. If you're a good candidate, it, it's not going to work for everybody, but it, it really did work. <laughs> Yes, not indicated for everybody, but it worked for us. It was great. My body really responded. And so we did. We missed that first month. We had to wait till my second cycle. But then we knew. We knew exactly. We started monitoring more closely. The great thing about IVF, even with a, with a natural cycle, is that they can program it. I, I took something to slow down my ovulation the second time. I took something to thicken my endometrial lining. And so there are certain, even with a natural cycle, there's still a lot you can do to support a pregnancy to happen. So it was, it was great. I had very minimal side effects. I really felt crampy. I could feel a lot of bloat, especially after the stimulators. Like I just needed to wear sweatpants. Kind of felt like you were on your period Mm -hmm. or about to start your period, like the entire month, (laughs) but I really didn't have side effects. I didn't have, you know, mood swings or spotting or, 
you know, uh, issues with even just like the mental weight of all the shots and all the meds. Like that's what is really hard with IVF is just the amount of keeping track of all of the things in, that you have to take. So the, the it was easy for me. I said, okay, I take my letrozole. I take my I take my estrace, which is estrogen. I take my progesterone. And that was about it. So it was easy on the mental load of me along with like being a mother and <laughs> you totally. know, doing the things that I do on my normal life. So I think the mental load of it is much easier than a general IVF cycle. Mm-hmm. I did worry like when we were kind of in a two-week wait where we were waiting to see if our transfer took. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, oh, dang, should we have done the real deal? Like should we have done more? And obviously it worked, so we didn't have to. But I do remember feeling worried. Should we have done more? Should we have done more? And so my encouragement is, you know, that our bodies do really take over. And there's still a lot of medication and hormonal support on a letrozole protocol. That's exactly right. And I think it saved I was going to say. In terms of side effects. I was going to say. I think we saved on more meds. I mean, we didn't have to buy all those shots for 20 weeks. No, Um, we didn't. Cause that gets pricey. So that's a plus. That is a plus. It was a plus. And I, I do want to clarify that when you are doing IVF in kind of the general form, I think that you do about six weeks of shots before transfer. And then you take shots through your first trimester, which is why we say 20 weeks of mm-hmm. shots. So it's about six weeks where before transfer that you are programming your body to ovulate and get ready at a specific time for that transfer. That's right. So guys, we wanted to give you this kind of more technical background before we start, you know, going to our personal IVF cycle story and our transfer journey together. Um, We wanted to do just kind of like the basic knowledge of IVF and what kind of we did with the letrozole protocol. We hope this was helpful for anyone researching a natural cycle. The goal for this episode was just to talk about the natural cycle. And I do want to shout out to my IVF warriors, you know, Kathy and I have a very specific journey because she is my surrogate, but we do understand, you know, being frustrated with our bodies, especially me when they don't do what you want them to do. If you're like me and Kathy can attest to this as well, we're, but we both like control. And so I just want to shout out to my IVF warriors that I want to challenge you to try to give up the control Give the control to your doctors, give the control, you know, to God who's already, he already knows the future. Um, Kathy, you always tell me to give myself permission to rest because I try to Mm -hmm. tense up and like control the situation and I get disappointed when it doesn't happen when I want it to happen. And I think that's so important for me to say and also important for me to hear when you always tell me that. Sarah, give yourself permission permission to rest because sometimes resting is just as good for the body, um, if not more than moving and getting things done. And so I yeah. hope that we can leave you with that little piece of encouragement. Um, yeah, preach to that. And I do want to say another reason. Preach. Another reason that we wanted to do this is because when we were researching all of our options for IVF, we didn't really have a roadmap. Mm-hmm. And so we are just hoping that this provides more information for people who are seeking, uh, you know, 
like we exactly. were. And it's, it's a great encouragement to be your own advocate. Like I said, sometimes we just, like I've said in previous episodes, we just sometimes follow what our doctor's advice was. And if I had not asked on that first appointment with our IVF mm-hmm. doctor, hey, why do I have to take all these hormones? I don't know if she ever would have brought it up. She had to leave the room and bring back in like my paperwork. <laughs> she probably so, wouldn't have. You would have probably, I mean, they were so amazing, but you would have been just another patient maybe. I mean, right. following. Well, and that's, it's sometimes we get nervous to ask. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would encourage people. It's like, they will always say, no, I don't think this is best for you. And if they had said that to me, I would have said, okay, well, at least I asked. I felt good about <laughs> asking, you know? And so it never hurts to ask if you're, que- if you're wondering. Preach. So Yeah. Then, then you can know again, like I tell you, it's okay to rest, but it's also good to control what you can. And sometimes in the waiting, Mm -hmm. when you're wondering, oh, what if I had done this? And what if I had done that? It helps you to say, well, I've rested. I've eaten well. I asked my doctor all the questions. I didn't, I don't have regret about that. It's like, you can control some things, even just by asking and researching and having that door be closed too. Yeah. I mean, control is, is control as far as being your own advocate. Um, but I, I was just mainly talking about just timing. I think timing, I think a lot of times I saw this quote recently that was like, delays don't mean denials. And I thought that was really perfect because, um, sometimes like you and I sometimes, oh, shoot, wow, you ovulated way too quickly. We have to wait another month. So I think that's just the hurry up and wait process with IVF. But, um, you know, everybody has a different journey. And we hope that you guys found this really informative and um, learned a little bit more about the natural cycle. So if you have any questions that maybe Kathy didn't answer or that I didn't answer, feel free to email us. We can check our email and answer questions on the next episode. Thanks for listening. And we would love if you took a few minutes just to rate us or review us um, and share our story. So we will talk to you soon, sisters. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. This is the platform that we use to record and produce our podcast. Guys, we are not tech savvy. I was so overwhelmed thinking about how to start a podcast, but we knew that it was the best and easiest way for us to share our story. And Anchor has been so easy to use and really intuitive for anyone, no matter how comfortable you are with podcasting or technology. They simplify it for you. So you can record your episodes, add music, activate sponsorship, and distribute your podcast to Apple, Spotify, and all other listening platforms, all through Anchor. So download the Anchor app for free or visit anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. Have fun.